What, they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real lightweights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your hosts Jordan Betts and Mike Men. Welcome back, everybody. I do promise to update the introduction here soon so that Jordan doesn't have to be associated with any of my uh, garbage takes, so I can do him a solid there. We'll have him on, I'm sure, at some point in the future to chat Canes hockey. But in the meantime, we are going to check in on where the Canes are at this point in the season, go through the recent stretch of games, maybe talk a little bit about what the Canes can do between now and the end of the season and what should they do, why should they do it, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll end with something a little new. We're going to talk about what I think are some of the best or most interesting trades the Canes have made since 2014. So definitely stay tuned for that. Should be a pretty brief episode, but I do think there's some things to touch on, and we'll try to build episodes out going forward so that we can get into the nitty-gritty now that we've kind of passed the halfway point in the season. With that being said, Canes are sitting at 27-15-5, second in the Metro, fourth in the East, since the Nashville game on December 27th, the team is 10-2-1. And, and all of this has been done without a complete roster. At no point in the season has this Hurricanes team been fully fit. And we're starting to see them round into their game a little bit. We have to acknowledge the back-to-back traveling up to Boston, playing the way they played there, getting away with a victory in regulation, doing that all with Spencer Martin, which I think he did a very commendable job stepping in. That's an impressive win. And then to come home with travel and play a rested New Jersey Devils team and really to stick it to them for the majority of the game. Legs did get a little bit tired late. They sneak one in in the last seconds to make the game look closer than it was. Really encouraging performance in both games. And I just have to get back to the point that this Canes team is not completely healthy. So there's a lot you can expect. If this team can continue the way they're playing right now, get everybody healthy, and maybe take that next incremental step leading into the playoffs, I think they're in a really dangerous spot to make a serious run. Now, it's up to management to decide what they think is the best move for the franchise moving forward. And there's a lot of different things that you have to look at when you're considering when is the best window to go for it. So today, we're going to sit down and talk about it as if, what do I think is the is the best move for the Canes and and we'll see it's not going to be what the Canes do I can tell you that right now but we can kind of run through the rationale of what makes sense for the franchise 
when you look at the organization, I think a really, really important thing to keep in mind is looking at what the contract situation is for the Hurricanes. Right? You've got Teravinen, final year, coming in as a UFA. You've got Natchez, final year, restricted free agent. You've got Jesper Faust coming in, or excuse me, Jordan Martinuk coming in as a UFA. Jack Jury, RFA. Seth Jarvis, RFA. Brendan Lemieux, Stefan Nason, UFAs. And then an, another massive hit, as if that's not enough. You look at your back end and your second pairing, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, both UFAs after this season. Jalen Chatfield, UFA after this season. Right? Auntie Ranta, UFA. So there's a lot of players that are going to be in limbo as the season comes to an end, right? You look at some of the guys right now that are going to be due big pay raises that might make it a challenge down the road. You look at somebody like a Martin Natchez making $3 million a year. We just saw Owen Tippett sign eight by $6.2 million. So eight years, $6.2 million a year. Natchez is likely going to command more than that number. Right, So if we're going to lock him in for the long haul, you're talking about an eight-year deal north of 6'2", likely 6'5". To, I mean, it could push all the way towards 7. We know how the Canes like to negotiate, so that could be a contract that's, we'll call it 6.5 million is a realistic number to think about when you're looking at Martin Natchez. You look at a Jordan Martinook, I don't think there will be a ton of discrepancy on his current pay versus his future pay as an aging out veteran. Um, I would think that he's probably sticking in a similar ballpark and staying around in Carolina moving forward. But then you look at two guys on rookie deals in Jack Jury and Seth Jarvis, both restricted free agents after this season. Seth Jarvis due for a massive pay raise. There's no doubt about it. I think it would be very... Smart of the Hurricanes to try and lock him into an eight-year deal. And honestly, you just have to kind of pay him whatever that AAV is. Is it going to be less than a Natchez? I would think so. We'll have to see how this season shakes out. When Natchez led the team in points last season, that that regardless of how this season go, last season is going to be indicative of how his team comes to the negotiation when looking at the new contract Seth Jarvis you there's just no doubt in my mind you you eight years get the deal done lock that guy in he's a great Carolina Hurricane and should be for a very long time Jack Drury a guy that's fought for his lineup spot for a long time is really coming into his own he's a guy that's not going to be on a league minimum contract what the Canes pay him not sure it's more likely that that's a deal that will be a bridge deal to see if this is sustainable, to see if there's another step in his game. But still, we're looking at guys that need pay raises. Steph Nason, if you want to keep him in Carolina, he's not playing for 762-500 no more. Nope, not a chance. That guy's going to have to get a pay raise. He plays power play minutes. He is a perfect fit in the system. If the Canes want to keep him, he's going to be getting more than that. Now, What's good is that you know a guy like Nason fits into your system flawlessly, and and Stefan knows it, so that you'd hope that there would be a little bit of, of an agreement that like this is kind of the perfect situation. Let's make it work out. I would love to see him come back, but it's another guy that is due a pay raise. A Brady Shea, 
right? 29 years old today. Not as in as his birthday, but he is currently 29 years old. Canes do not love extending older defensemen. Um, and I got news for you. He's due for a big payday, five and a quarter, which for a while we were like, it seemed a little rich. He's really come into his own here with the Hurricanes recently. The defensive game hasn't been at the highest level. It's still very good. But the offensive game is certainly the five-on-five production. Like He has become a very solid defenseman. He has earned quite the pay raise if he chooses to go that route. Is it likely that the Canes can keep him and Pesci next season? I highly doubt it. I don't think so. We'll see who they keep. With that being said, we move on to Brett Pesci. Four million twenty-five thousand is his current is his current hit. That's going up too. If the Canes want to keep him around, another scenario where you've got an aging defenseman, twenty-nine years old, and you know he's going to be looking to cash in for the last time in his career. Will the Canes be willing to pay the money necessary to keep him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then finally, the last guy we'll talk about defensively is Jalen Chatfield, a guy that we talked about earlier in the preseason. We raved about Jalen's game. He's proved us right. He had to fight for his roster spot at the beginning of the season, which a lot of us you know, thought was wrong because it was pretty clear that Chatfield was playing much better than D'Angelo. The Canes got hyper-focused on the idea of producing more on the power play. And for that reason, Chatfield didn't, hasn't played every game this season, but he has been the guy and will be the guy the rest of the season. That's also another guy that's at 762-500, and that number is going up. 27 years old. You'd like to see the Canes try and keep him on with a bridge deal. He is a solid number six defenseman. Solid number six defenseman in a lot of places could push the 4-5 spot. So... It may make sense for him to go elsewhere and see if he can't earn a bigger contract. At the same time, he might love where he's at. He's earned his starting spot, and Rod Brendamore has proven once you earn that spot, it's it's really hard for you to lose it. So that's another guy. Do a pay raise. The goalie situation, not as scary, right? Antti Ranta, 1.5 million, UFA, 34 years old. He's had a tough season. He's had some bounce back moments, but he's either been really good in games or really bad in games. And the issue with NHL goaltending is you need consistency. And the consistency hasn't been there this season. Ranta's a guy that'll know that. I'll speak to it again on this episode like I did previously. The way the fans have treated Ranta has been amazing. We may be the most pro-goalie fan base in the NHL. Uh, Pro-goalie, pro-forecheck, pro-penalty kill. I mean, we love love that stuff to bits. It's insane. But for a guy like Ronta, you can really see the appreciation. He gets to have the interview after the Devils game. The moms are in town for the mom's trip. His mom gets to sit on him on the bench with him as he's doing his interview, and the fans are chanting his name, and you can see it on his face and his mom's face. It means a lot to them, and I've I've really found that to be a beautiful part of this season is really seeing the fans rally behind a guy that needed to be rallied behind. So beautiful there. I, I would be super surprised if we saw Auntie back in Carolina next year. It, it, it might be the point where he's, 
he's felt like he's done what he needed to do in the NHL. This could be the end. I don't want to speculate for a guy, but you know, he's got a family and who knows where, where it leads after this season. But you can't say enough good about Antti Ranta as a person have loved having him in the organization and have loved the fans getting behind him. It's been really fun to see. But other than that, you've got Anderson locked up through 24, 25 and Kochekov is locked up through 26, 27. So the goalie picture isn't as concerning as in terms of what's coming up next on contracts. So with that being said, that's a ton of names a ton of big names, a ton of names that are due pay raises. You're looking at a team that keeps themselves very tight to the cap as is. So you're going to lose some guys this offseason. There's no doubt about that. There's two ways to go about that. You can either say, hey, we're not a Stanley Cup contender this year. We're going to sell some of these guys that are worth a lot. You're fetching a first-round pick for a guy like Shea, for a guy like Pesci. Like, that's one direction an organization can go. It's not the direction the organization should go, but it, sh- it certainly is a route depending on what happens between now and the trade deadline. If the Hurricanes continue to play the way they've been playing, there is a far more fun route that they can go where they say, hey, this team is legit. This is our last run with this group of players. Our core will still be intact going forward, but this is a solid group of guys that have been together for a while. Let's see what we can do. When you look at the when you look at the numbers, like it's screaming the Kane should go for it. The team has not been healthy this year. And a lot of the reasons I say go for it is look at the contracts we just talked about. For the first time in a while, the team is above the league average in age. They've historically been a young team since the Dundon regime took over. They're above league average. They're now one of the older teams getting into that bracket. Now, they're not super old. They're not the Pittsburgh Penguins, et cetera, et cetera. But they're above league average in age. They've had, you know, what some would call some puck luck, what others would call a system that isn't designed to score a ton of goals. But they're still 10th in goals for a game. But we talk about this every year, every offseason. What does it take to win in the playoffs? And the answer is great goaltending and great special teams. The guys are going to be hungry at 5-on-5. It's the playoffs, right? And where do the Canes sit in that regard? Well, they've got the third best power play in the league right now. Sands Tony D'Angelo. So that worked itself out. And they've got the fourth best penalty kill. And honestly, the penalty kill probably would be the best in the league if we could solve the one piece of the puzzle that is keeping this team from being a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, and that's goaltending. They're below average league-wide for save percentage from goalies, right? That's a big deal. For this team to be performing the way they're performing, putting up the analytics they're putting up, while not having a true number one goaltender just has to get you excited for the prospect of adding a great goalie. 
their weaknesses are are pretty simple. They're below average shooting percentage wise. We know that. If you watch Kane's games, you know the way their system is built is to make the other team work a lot in their defensive zone to wear them down that way. You're not going to score on a higher percentage of your shots because you are just grinding, grinding, grinding. So we know they're going to be below average shot percentage. They're always going to be under Rod Brendamore. So that's not super concerning. Below average save percentage, we've talked about that. We've had a short little run where Kachetkov has looked like a 1B maybe. I'll call it a 1B. But outside of that, they've had poor poor goaltending all year. So below, below average save percentage, that's fixable. If you can get Kachetkov back, if by some miracle Anderson plays this year, which I'm still not holding my breath on, or if you go out and acquire a goalie, all of a sudden the only weakness you're looking at is a product of your system. And then the only other real negative is they're one of the worst teams in the shootout. Well, guess what doesn't happen in the playoffs? Games don't go to shootouts. So all of this is pointing in the direction of, okay, this is encouraging. We've gone stints without important guys. Svetch isn't in the lineup right now. No bona fide number one goalie playing this year. The team is still not at the top level of their game. They're getting there, but they're not at the top level of their game. And they've got some guys that, you know, they could move out if they decided they wanted to upgrade. They have the ability to go out and upgrade. And if I'm the Canes and I'm looking to upgrade, if Anderson's out, which they will know in the next, I would say, week to 10 days, you go out and you get a number one goalie and you ride Kachetkov and whoever that guy is you bring in, you have a really strong 1A, 1B. That gives you a really strong chance at winning the Stanley Cup. The second piece I would add, if I was to add another piece, if we're going win now and we're saying, hey, this is the group, like we got to win now, go ahead and get a second center. You're looking at a, a guy that's playing great as a number one center in Sebastian Ajo. Jordan Stahl is playing his prototypical grinding third line. There's, You know how Rod is about numbering them, but we'll call it a 3-4 depending on how the night's going, but they're always going to draw the hard assignments and they're always going to be hard to play against. And ever since Jarvis hopped on that line with Stahl and Martinuk, the production is starting to tick up. Aho and Stahl dominant in the face-off dot. Aho's going to get you points. Stahl's going to shut down the other team's top line. Aho can, can also play more of a shutdown role as he's grown as a player. And then Drury, if he's playing as your four center, He's, he's shown it this year. He's taken a big step. He's earned the trust of his teammates. He's earned the trust of the coaching staff. And he's grown into the player that we were excited about when we first when we first got him. So, and it's a guy with a championship pedigree. You bring in a real strong candidate, number two center, and we'll use the guy that everyone in, in the league talks about trade deadline-wise. We'll talk like if you slot an Elias Lindholm into this lineup, it is it's scary down the middle. That is a scary lineup down the middle. The question is, what do you do with KK? Is he in the package you move out? Is he somebody that you move to a wing lower down the lineup? What do you do there? That's 
that's t- it's tough to speculate. Uh, honestly, if you're bringing in a guy like Lindholm, I would think there's a chance a, somebody of the KK caliber goes out. I don't think it makes sense for this team to trade the pieces that are going to help them win a cup. But if you're swapping out a Lindholm for a KK, it's a positive for the team now. It's obviously likely going to turn out to be a rental. But if you want to give it one really good shot, that's your guy. Somebody of that caliber. If you want to go the cheaper route, a Henrique is another option that I think he he matches kind of the philosophy. He's a guy that can get you points. He's going to be really good in the face-off dot. He's shown that longevity. He has the history as a veteran. So, you know, there's options out there when you look at that two center spot. I wouldn't mind seeing them add a big physical scoring winger. It depends on how they view bunting. If bunting isn't a fit, if it isn't working out with him and Rod, he's worth he's worth being traded. I can tell you that right now. There is nothing wrong with bunt, bunting's production this year. It's a guy that's like, what, 31 points in 46 games, 10 goals, 21 assists. Like, he's he has value on the market. It's only a three-year contract with two years remaining after this one. There will be interest on the market. So if you got to move out cap to move in cap, you know, you are you have the opportunity to go add somebody that's got a scoring touch, somebody that can play physical down low, that's going to thrive during playoff hockey. Those those are the pieces that I would look at adding. I think goalie is number one most important. I think if you really go for it this year, you want to add a number two center. And if you have the ability to go out and add a middle six physical winger that has the ability to put some points on the board, why not? I mean, I wouldn't hate, a, like, for example, a Frank Vetrano. Why not a guy like that? Somebody that's got grit, somebody that'll play physical, somebody that'll get to all the right places. Honestly, he seems like a guy that fits into the Kane system. Now, now that I've got you all excited about that idea, just remember the Canes don't like to trade for shirt, for the short term. They're not really looking for expiring deals to go make a run, whether we like it or not. I think from what I've seen and from my reflection that this is – this is a year to really go for it. If you have to have a little minor reset next year, no big deal. You've got young guys in the pipeline that are itching for a chance. Go for it this year. Get your guys, show your guys you're bought in. See what you can make of it. And if next year you have to have a little reset, so be it. I personally would not have a problem with going that route. As I alluded to at the beginning, I don't think that's something the Canes are going to do, but it is an option that, to me, is very enticing. All right, so we've gotten through all that. Now we're going to get to the fun part. We are going to talk about my favorite trades since 2014. And something that I kind of realized as I was kind of combing through all the trades from 2014 is we went a... a solid two and a half years without making a trade worth anything from January 1st of 2014 until June 15 of 2016. It was a bunch of nothing, but on June 15th, 2016, 
the Hurricanes made the first move trade-wise in getting their team to the next level, right? They brought in Brian Bickle and Tara Vinen for a 2016 second-round pick and a 2017 third-round pick. Neither of those picks turned into valuable NHL players. Tara Vinen was a massive turning point in the organization. It took him some time to really find his way, but we have to be super grateful for what we've had. He's going on eight years since we acquired him, and it's honestly between his dry humor and his emo streak that he has in him. He's been a great hurricane and I love the season that he's putting together. Now. I think there's more to come from him and we know that he will show up in the, when the playoffs come the Brian Bickle, you know, that we were taking on that salary as it was really a, a cap dump from the Blackhawks. You essentially got Tara Vinen for taking on the Bickle contract Bickle, uh, I remember the big thing there was having that opportunity to score on a penalty shot um, really to end his career. And, you know, he had a tough road ahead of him, but I just that memory will stick in my head forever. Um, it was it was really something else. We'll fast forward to a little bit over a year later, June 22nd, 2017. This one is a funny trade because I like how it ended. I think this one's unique. So the Carolina Hurricanes receive Trevor Van Riemsdyk and a 2018 seventh round pick in exchange for a 2017 second rounder to the Vegas Golden Knights. With that 2017 second rounder, the Golden Knights draft a player who was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jake LeCision. That has always been funny to me that the pick that we traded to them was used to draft a player born in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that one is more in the interesting section. Trevor was also a piece of kind of turning the tides here in Carolina. So certainly appreciate his time in the organization, but I found that one more interesting just for who they used the pick to draft so fun little fact there. We're going to fast forward to February of 2018. This one was a fun one and it's just vibes. The Carolina Hurricanes acquire Greg McKegg from the Pittsburgh Penguins for Josh Joris. Greg McKegg. I mean, it, when I think of the 2019 playoff run, I just remember Kegger just being a classic Carolina Hurricane out there grinding fourth line minutes was a short-lived stint with the Hurricanes, but everybody that was there for 2019 remembers good old Greg McKegg. So I had to throw that one in there out of respect for him. We fast forward to May of 2018, May 3rd, 2018, the Hurricanes acquire the mayor of Raleigh. And we've been hard on the mayor of Raleigh. We're not going to deny that here at the podcast. The Canes acquired Jordan Martinook and a 2018 fourth round pick from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for Marcus Kruger and a 2018 third round pick. So we are going up on six years of acquiring Jordan Martinook 
and he has been super important to changing the culture in the locker room. He wears a letter for a reason. You know, he he's not going to be a guy that puts a ton of points on the board. He's not going to be, you know, somebody that shows you a ton of flash. We've had our moments where we've been down on him saying, can the Canes win with Jordan Martinook playing third line minutes? Admittedly, we've been all over it, but there's no denying how important Jordan Martinook was coming into the organization, being somebody that helped the culture shift in the Rod Brendamore era. So we all have to be appreciative of that trade, and the Canes did not give up anything when it came to acquiring him. The assets they sent out, not really important. Not a month and, what is it, 20 days later, June 23rd, 2018, the big one. One of the bigger trades we've had in a long, 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 long time. The Carolina Hurricanes acquire Michael Furlan, Dougie Hamilton, and Adam Fox's signing rights from the Calgary Flames, who receive Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. That was a mutually beneficial trade. Lindholm, Lindholm had an electric start to his career in Calgary, has become a very, very reliable second-line center, as was expected of him. And Noah Hannafin has become a very solid defenseman. Uh, the fear with Hannafin was the hockey IQ and ability to react, and he's certainly grown into his role. But that was the piece of the puzzle that turned this team into a playoff team. They make the run in 2019. They get to the playoffs. They make it deep. Ferlin, the injury stuff was too bad. When he was healthy and playing with the Canes, he was certainly a spark. Um I mean, I, you have to appreciate when he threw his helmet off. I think he was fighting Austin Watson, if I'm not mistaken. But threw his helmet off, had to serve an extra penalty for that one. But you saw it, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to fight that dude. And it was, it was a good run until the injuries started to mount for him. The concussions, those are, those are really hard to deal with, especially as they mount. So. We appreciate what Furlan did here. It was shorter lived than we would have liked, but we are certainly appreciative of it. Dougie Hamilton, one of the better like better trades the Canes have made, bringing him on. It was a fit out of the get-go. It took him a little bit of time. Playoff Dougie rubbed some people the wrong way because the physicality of the game seemed to get to him, but there is no denying that without Dougie Hamilton, the Canes would have been a completely different team. We all know the story about Adam Fox at this point. He was going to be a New York Ranger from the day he was born, and he ended up a New York Ranger. There's no surprise there. He just chose to keep telling everybody he was going to sign wherever. So that's surprise, surprise. We move on. August 2nd, 2018. This one's big for another reason. Management came out. Dundon came out and talked about how they wanted players to play, what they didn't want to have in the organization, and it seemed to be a very pointed remark at Jeff Skinner. Not long after, the Canes move on from Jeff Skinner, and in return, they get a 2019 second round pick, a 2020 third round pick, and a 2026 round pick, plus Cliff Pooh. When we saw the trade... It kind of felt like it was poo. It wasn't great, 
it was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm surprised they couldn't get a first round pick out of him. But now that we rewind, that's why it's really important to go look back on trades. It's all we're uh we're like what five and a half years removed from that trade. That 2019 second round pick turned into a young Russian goalie named Pyotr Kochekov. Liking how that one turned out so far. The 2020 third round pick acquired in that trade has turned into a guy by the name of Alexander Nikishin. If the Canes are able to bring him over from Russia in 2025 and he turns out to be 80, 85% of what is expected, that is a home run hit, home run hit all day. If he is 100% or more of what he's expected to be, then that is a absolute robbery. It's fantastic drafting by the Hurricanes, and you get him on top of Kachekov. Two fantastic pieces. If you break that trade down into Jeff Skinner for Pyotr Kochekov and Alexander Nikishin now, you're laughing and running to the bank. You're gonna you go buy a million scratch offs and become a billionaire with that kind of luck. That's that's why you make those trades. You have to be willing to take those risks and take big swings. And sometimes those swings pay off, even when it seems like they didn't up front. So that trade is a really interesting one that I love getting to look back on now. Moving into 2019, the trade that solidified it for the Hurricanes. January 17th, 2019, the trade is one for one. The Carolina Hurricanes acquire Nino Niederreiter from Minnesota for Victor Rask. We all know how that one played out. It was unfortunate that we had to see Nino go when it came to re-signing. I'm surprised that they weren't able to make it work out. But with that being said, what a run. What a steal of a trade for the Carolina Hurricanes. Nino was the final puzzle piece that propelled that team into the playoffs and finally helped so many Canes fans expel all those demons from the years of pain. So that trade is monumental. It's up there with the trade with Calgary bringing over Dougie and Furlan. Really phenomenal piece of work by the Hurricanes and might be the last time we trade with the Minnesota Wild. So moving on, we make a, a heck of a heck of a cup run in 2019. But in the offseason, the Canes do it again. You're seeing a trend here where the Canes are making phenomenal moves via trade. June 22nd, 2019. The Canes take on Patrick Marlowe's cap in return. They get a 2020 first round pick, a 2027th round pick from Toronto. The Canes send back a 2026 round pick that hasn't turned into anything yet. But that 2020 first round pick is a young man named Seth Jarvis. That, sh- that was Dundon's commitment saying, I'm willing to spend money to make the team better. They just brought Patrick Marlowe on to buy him out. They bought a first-round pick, essentially. And that first-round pick turned into 
what is now a amazing hurricane in Seth Jarvis. Another really shrewd piece of business by the front office by the, of the Carolina Hurricanes. And the 2027th round pick was Alexander Passion. We'll see if he turns out to have any NHL shot. But, you know, there he was a guy that had a shot as a late round pick of being a guy that comes in at a high ceiling. But it, the question is, can he move that floor up? We'll have to see. The jury's not out there, but another fantastic piece of business by the Carolina Hurricanes. That ends the trades for 2019. We move into 2020, February 24th. Surprising trade. I was actually in Vegas for this trade and remember waking up and scrolling on my phone to see if there was any updates. And while I'm scrolling, I get a notification that the Canes made a trade. The Carolina Hurricanes acquired Vincent Trocheck from the Florida Panthers for Canes fans, probably one of their least favorite players, which is wild. We'll talk about that more after we get through the trade. Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, Chase Prisky, and E2 Lucerinen. Now, we know what we know what Vincent did as a Kane. Great addition. Was another one where, you know, we're not we're not adding old aging out players at those kind of contracts. It was kind of it was kind of sealed when you saw the KK extension. But a trade that worked out for the Hurricanes, it also worked out for the Panthers. E2 Lucerne has become a solid middle six center. Chase Prisky didn't hit his potential. Lucas Walmark didn't as well. Eric Halla eventually moved on. But I will say We'll go off here a little bit. Eric Hall cracks me up. There is no reason for any Canes fans to care about Eric Hall. I can tell you that right now. The guy isn't good enough to get booed. But I think Luke DeCock shared a very funny stat since the day he left the organization. Eric Hall, I believe, is 1-15 in in PNC Arena. So... He comes in here, he gets booed, and he loses. So I'm not really I'm not really sure why he wants to be on Kane's fans' mind. I guess he likes the attention, but he's never been good enough to warrant being booed. He's honestly just a journeyman that's going to be on another journey soon because I can tell you right now, I don't think he's in the long-term plans for the New Jersey Devils. So sorry, Eric Halla, but I don't, I don't really know what you want, buddy. We jump forward. There was another trade made that day. The trade deadline was closing. It was like, ah, oh, that was our trade. Vincent Trocheck, good trade. I like it. Good addition. And then right as it seemed, it was all over. Brady Shea comes over to the Carolina Hurricanes for a 2020 first-round pick. Now, Shea's career with the Hurricanes didn't start out great. We have all learned that there is a pretty substantial learning curve for a lot of defensemen when they join the Carolina Hurricanes. It was no different for Brady Shea. What he has become as a Hurricane is um, is awesome. He is a fantastic middle-pairing defenseman. He has improved his offensive game, and he's a pleasure to watch. And, you know, you don't love giving up first-round picks, generally speaking, but they got a guy who they had some control over the contract and they took a swing. 
was it a little early to take that swing? Maybe. Maybe it wasn't the time to be making those kind of commitments. But there's no denying that Brady Shea has become a fantastic hurricane and deserves to be on this list. We will finish it out with one last trade. Probably the biggest name in a long time to be traded in the organization. Getting Brent Burns to have a guy like that want to join the Hurricanes when he had other options was really, it was exciting for us Hurricanes fans, I think, because that's a big name. That's a guy that's had a amazing career, and he chose to come here to chase the Stanley Cup. The Canes parted with Stevie Lawrence, who was a fan favorite and is a fantastic kid, still making his way in the NHL. They sent E2 McIniemi. He's a goalie that's got potential. Not sure where his career is going to shake out, but certainly a guy I like. And then they sent a 2023 third-round pick. All to get Brent Burns, essentially. Lane Peterson comes over to the Hurricanes as a part of the deal. And the San Jose Sharks retain 34% of Brent Burns' cap hit. That was a trade that showed we're serious contenders for a cup because a superstar defenseman, historically speaking, is not in the superstar realm anymore, but he is still a number two defenseman. And that at his age is extremely impressive. He chose to come to Carolina. That is a sign that the attitude around the league has changed. There's always going to be guys that don't want to play Carolina in Carolina. There's going to be guys that want to play in the big cities. That's not our market, but our market is unique in a lot of ways. And it is a fantastic market. Hockey has grown so much in the area, whether it's from the youth levels to the professional practice rink to even just the fan commitment. So it was really a, a, sign that the organization is heading in the right direction to be able to convince a guy like that to leave his 50 acres or whatever he has to go hunt elk or whatever he does. I don't even know to come to Carolina. Gotta love it. And hopefully that's got your juices flowing for what the Canes can do moving forward. They're not a team that loves to add near the trade deadline They felt like when they added Trocek and Shea so late in the season, it didn't give them enough time to mesh. And ultimately, they paid a higher price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But with that being said, this team is currently set up to make a run if the Canes decide that they like what they have and that what's on the market can make them better. And I think that there are options on the market that will certainly make them better. So stay tuned for future episodes. Hopefully we have more entertaining stuff to talk about. Maybe we do see some action here in the next couple of weeks. Regardless, we'll stay in touch. Probably we'll come out with an episode once we get back from the all-star break, unless there's something major that happens between now and then. But otherwise, have a great rest of your day and let's go Canes.